colors. I'm not an interior decorator, but what I do know is that darker colors tend to be more reflective. They tend to make a space feel more kind of cozy or, or more uh, uh, intimate. If you have brighter colors, it's more passionate. There's more warmth. There's more of a feeling of expanse. They feel much larger, more passionate. I mention this because this bit of color theory can actually, I think, help us understand the season we are in right now. We could call this the twilight season of Advent. Twilight is this period before the sunrise and the sunset where it's just a little bit of light. There's this sense of anticipation. If you've ever gotten up before um, everyone else in the morning, there's a really strong sense of this, this feeling of a cool color. They call this actually um, the blue hour. It's an hour of anticipation, along with twilight, where you're waiting for the sun to rise. You're anticipating this light to enter into the world. And as the sun sets, you wait to see this beautiful sunset in this period of twilight. We are very, I think, spoiled here in the southwest. We have beautiful sunrises and sunsets and wonderful opportunities to really enter into these reflective periods of time. And it's easy, I think, for us to relate to this emotion, this mood, that we are actually then called to enter into with Advent. This blue hour, this twilight season, this period to anticipate, to be prepared, and to stand vigilant in our faith. Oftentimes, though, we don't really end up focusing on this. <laughs> we actually go more for the warm color at this time. Now, there's anything wrong with warm colors, because we celebrate these warm colors during Christmas. But there is this very strong, festive sense of a warmth, a kind of hectic, holiday, frantic behavior that we can move into. Christmas is already here. And for our culture, it is. Mariah carries on the radio. Decorations are out. People already have their trees up. Cookies are out. It's great. Those are all wonderful things. But I think it's difficult because we have this beautiful gift, this blue hour, and everyone's already banging pots and screaming in the morning. It's like, let's just calm down. <laughs> let's take a moment. And let's really allow this to be a time for us to reflect. A time in the calm to really look at ourselves and our relationship with the Lord. In a certain sense, we're actually called to also awaken ourselves, to draw our attention to those things that maybe we've let lay dormant in our lives, especially in our relationship with the Lord. Paul even says this. He says, it is the time for you to awake from sleep, to awake from this kind of mundane, casual comfort that we can move into, especially throughout the year, that we can allow the days to kind of melt together and we can allow our intentions, especially those things that are very important to us, to kind of become something that we do later. I'll take care of this tomorrow. This is something that I'll figure out later in my life. I've got all this time. I've got this, this, this time to figure these things out. Or I'll indulge in this now because it gives me satisfaction in this moment. And those more difficult things or those things that require me to perhaps grow, to stretch, I'll wait to do that later. But Paul says not to do this. To in this moment today, not tomorrow, not next year, not in years to come, not in the twilight of my years. To now, in this moment, take on Christ and to take off the ways of the flesh. He points to sins of lust, sins of the flesh, sins of judgment and, and envy and jealousy and petty, petty squabbles that we can move into. But he calls us to live now here in this final moment 
to recognize that we only have today. We are called to grow in our relationship with the Lord, to confront those things that we're putting off. And especially in this blue hour, in this twilight season of Advent, to really focus on these things as taking primary place. Before the cookies, before the trees, before Mariah Carey, that we have Jesus at our center. That we have this time, this calm time to recenter ourselves. To kind of, you know, light a fire under our butts a little bit. Um, think about it this way. Today is one day closer to the final judgment, our Lord's second coming. Or to put it more immediately, today is one day closer to the day when we will die. Probably thinking, geez, Father, that's really dark. Why are we, we just started the new year and you're talking about death. But I think it's something important that we face this, this reality of our mortality, that the gift of this present moment means something, and us lighting the candles of the Advent wreath represent that gift of hope that we bring light into the darkness. That we don't live in la-la land and kind of ignore these things, but we instead recognize that I have this great opportunity, this great privilege of my life here and now to grow in that relationship with the Lord, to allow that light to enter in and to foster that light, to cultivate it in every aspect of my life. I think there are two things, two mentalities, though, that can actually prevent us from doing so and move us into spiritual procrastination. The first is that this life that I have will not end. And that can take many forms. The obvious one is the foolishness of, okay, like I just assume things are going to remain the same. That tomorrow's going to come and it's going to be fine. Things are going to remain in place. And that, yeah, I'll die, sure, one day, but who knows when that is. That's way off. I got time. This could also be the idea of my memory. I'm going to leave behind a legacy. People are going to remember me. I have a plaque somewhere. People are going to look at that plaque and they're going to remember me, so my memory will live on. Or even with our descendants saying, well, I've passed on my legacy through my children, my grandchildren. The second mentality is that my life is mine. Because of this, I am the master over myself. To counteract both of these, firstly, with the fact that my life does not end, to recognize that the world we live in is a fading world. That the life we live is not forever. Even one day, you know, I will die. One day, my children, my grandchildren will die. One day the plaque will rust, and this earth, this life, will fade away. But the Lord speaks about this when he compares his second coming to <laughs> the cataclysm of the great flood. And he warns us against this, to be prepared, not to be foolish in assuming this, that the life will continue, that we can kind of blind ourselves with the current joys and excitements of earthly delights, but instead to recognize that cautionary tale of those who were celebrating up to the moment where Noah jumped in his, in his uh, ark and the flood took over and washed everything away. To dispel the second mentality that my life is mine and I am the, my own master over myself. Again, to come to recognize that one day I will die. It doesn't matter what choices I make, how powerful I am, how much wealth I have uh, taken up, how famous I become, how many plaques I have, that one day I'm going to die and I can't change that. And then even to add some you know, deep theology into this, the fact that I exist means that I'm actually being held in existence by God right now, in this very moment. 
The only one who can save me, who can prevent me from falling into that, um, that abyss, that dismal abyss, that dismal reality of that perpetuating death is God, is the Lord. And then I can't create this false safety net that I have control over these things, that I know I have mastery over myself when it comes to my destination and my fate. The only thing I can do is reach out and as much as I can and to the best of my ability today to desire to seek out the Lord. And the Lord warns us against this mentality. Do not procrastinate. To be prepared. To do this in almost a humorous way, Jesus refers to himself as a thief. Thief's not a good thing. (laughs) Someone who takes things that don't belong to them, that steals things away. Even a thief doesn't want to be called a thief. But here Jesus is voluntarily calling himself a thief, saying that I will be like a thief in the night. Really to emphasize and to jar us and to say like, I don't know when you're coming, Lord. He's actually being a good thief and letting us know that I'm going to steal in to your, um, your house one day and you won't expect it. He uses this very shocking image of, of those who are um, doing everyday tasks, working. Um, you have this image, I didn't see it, um, I've never seen this image before until last night during the vigil mass. And it's a very shocking image of these two ladies at the, the, um, the, the mill grinding away this wheat. And one of them is being touched by an angel and she's got this look of shock. <laughs> it's kind of horrifying. But it emphasizes that we don't know. And you might say, like, Jesus, can't you just tell us when you're going to be here? And he says, a thief doesn't announce his arrival. I'm coming. It's like, well, I want to be prepared. It's like, cool. It's like, well, how can I be prepared if I don't know? It's like, you always got to be prepared. (laughs) But today, because again, we only have today. We need to focus here and now, especially when we have the gift of this season, where the whole entire point is to be able to focus in on where the Lord is here now, what my relationship with the Lord looks like, and how I am called to act in a spirit of repentance, growth in the virtues, and continuing to live that life of hope. So I want to challenge us all here in three very distinct ways as we enter into Advent. It's a new year, New Year's resolutions, and my encouragement is to take on these three as your Advent challenge. So the first one is to pray more. You might be thinking, well, I kind of pray. You know, and I pray every once in a while when I get up, when I go to bed, pray the rosary every once in a while, I go to Mass. It's not going to cut the mustard. <laughs> but you have time here and now today to spend in prayer in conversation with the Lord, with the eternal God who has called us into a personal relationship. So this is my challenge. 15 minutes a day. You might be thinking, Father, that's a lot. 15 minutes to talk to God? 15 minutes to talk to TikTok? Easy. 15 minutes to talk to the TV? 30 minutes, an hour, two hours, I can crush that. We're in the Marvel Cinematic Universe Marathon. It's going to be great. 15 minutes to talk to my cat. The cat might have things to say, but I'm sure God has more interesting things to say. So that's my challenge. 15 minutes. It could be prayer and scripture. It could be silent meditation. It could be journaling. Whatever it might be, but to dedicate 15 minutes and to put it on the calendar like an appointment. Just 15 minutes to grow in that relationship with the Lord. The second is to Fast. And you might be thinking, well, that's a Lent thing. (laughs) Well, it's a season of repentance, and it's an opportunity for us to grow in our reliance on the Lord. So to fast from something. It doesn't necessarily be food, but to fast from something that you rely on more than you rely on God. I'm not talking about inhalers or medication. 
Don't go off of that. That's not what Father's saying. What I'm saying is those things that you tend to rely on more, especially for like emotional or self-medicative purposes, something that you go to when you're in crisis and struggle with that isn't God. And with that space then where you have fasted to then fill that in with opportunities to grow in some way that does bring you closer to God or to take on perhaps a hobby that's, that's healthy and reflective. Finally, further part of this challenge is to engage in acts of charity. And not just, I see someone on the side of the road and I throw change at them, but intentionally looking and seeking for opportunities to love others well. Whether that's somebody in our lives who we know needs help, whether that's calling somebody who, you know, is very distant from us and we haven't talked to them and we've been putting off for so long, but to talk to them and call them and see how they're doing, to volunteer our time intentionally again with uh, organizations like St. Vincent de Paul or different soup kitchens, different um, uh, uh, charitable organizations that can use our time and effort in our charity, or if it's just praying for somebody, that we can engage in both the prayerful, spiritual, and corporal acts of mercy for the sake of loving others and allowing that joy we have received and we recognize in this season of Advent and Christmas to be something that pours out, that goes beyond just ourselves. It's an infectious desire to live in the joy of the gospel and to love others well in revealing Christ to others as we see Christ in them. So those are my three challenges. To prayer, to pray, to fast, and to act in charity as we engage in this time, this blue hour, this twilight season of Advent as a time to repent, to reflect our relationship with the Lord, and to stand vigilant and prepared for our Lord's second coming. Amen.